You're listening to Design Tomorrow. Good morning, Dr. Chandra. This is Hal. I'm ready for my first lesson. AI is UI. I mean, it should be. That, as opposed to all the useless stuff the wonderful wizards of the valley promise that AI will do for us, would actually be useful. Think about it. Every app is increasingly smarter, while the actions they force us to take are increasingly dumber. Does that make sense? Take your phone out and look at it. Or open your laptop, or wake whatever screen is nearby. Every button and menu on the screen you're looking at right now represents something you might want to do with the information firehosing itself at you all day long. Edit. Reply. Save. Delete. For God's sake, delete. The majority, what, 90-95% of our clicking and tapping is a repetitive act of information management. Every day, I do the same things with the same bits of information that appear in the same places. I'm a drone with increasingly shiny hardware. Chrome isn't my friend, it's the machine's friend. Every Chrome detail is an opportunity to lighten the app's processing load. It just sits there, waiting for us to tap it on the shoulder and say, Save this. Delete that. Those are simple routines for the app. And oh yeah, the app is a drone too. We're drones giving orders to drones. Well, maybe that's a bad metaphor. After all, nobody really likes drones. So how about this? Remember when you were a kid and you went to the doctor and he knocked you on your knobby little knee with that funny hammer and you'd gasp because your leg would suddenly kick without your permission? And you'd say, why'd I do that, Dr. Guthrie? Dr. Guthrie was my grumpy octogenarian pediatrician over 30 years ago. And he'd mutter, instinct, son. And then sometime, weeks later probably, you'd be watching The Sword in the Stone. You know, the Disney one. And you'd get to the part where Merlin and Wart become fish, and Wart eats a bug and cries, Merlin, I I swallowed a bug! And Merlin says, (laughs) What's wrong with that? After all, my boy, you are a fish. Instinct, you know. (laughs) And you'd suddenly realize what instinct meant. That it was a thing that happened simply by way of cause and effect without thinking. Well, that is what I'm talking about here. Clicking and tapping buttons to tell an app to do something with some bit of information is itself about as information-rich as knocking a kid's knobby little knee in that special instinct place. And when that app does that thing you told it to do with your bit of information, well, that is about as intelligent as a kid's leg kicking after being knocked by that hammer. As in, not. Instinct is a meaningful distinction when most actions are considered choices. But in this case, all actions, as far as the app is concerned, are instinct. And if all is instinct, none is intelligence. So when someone tells you that some app uses AI and then shows you what stuff to tap and click in order to use it, know that AI is about as honest as that quote-unquote healthy choice label on a box of frozen food. I mean, you can use two letters of your own. B.S. Unless, of course, we take the meaning of A.I. literally. So today on Design Tomorrow, in the tradition of the rantiest of rants, I'd like to, well, rant about a few things. About A.I. and us. About wasted time and wasting of the land. 
about the lowing and highing of design. Save your amens and letters to the editor until the end. You're listening to Design Tomorrow. I'm Chris Butler. Stay tuned. Design Tomorrow is a podcast about design, technology, and being human. Which, admittedly, is a lot to be about. But in all things, we hope to grow in our awareness that what we do and think today can create a better tomorrow. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Design Tomorrow. Just leave all the vowels out. That's at DS. G-N-T-M-R-R-W. You can also visit the show's website at designtomorrow.co. And if you want to get in touch directly, you can email me at chris at designtomorrow.co. I'd love to hear from you. And now, let's get back to the show. Artificial Intelligence Artificial, as in imitation, mock, ersatz, faux, substitute, manufactured, fabricated, inorganic, plastic, pretend, phony. If we're taking it like that, then fine. This is some great AI we've got here. But we're not. At least, we're not meant to. AI is supposed to signify a marvel of civilized progress. Machine intelligence. Machines that think. On their own. A giant leap for mankind, even if it's our last. But no, this is not AI. This is NI for no intelligence. If it was AI, we wouldn't have to look at it. It would say to us, you have several things here. You've got mail. And you'd say, well, what are they? And it would say, one is a forwarded message from your colleague Brian. He's added FYI at the top. And you'd say, please delete that one. And this would go on. But the next time, it would say, you have several things here. One of them is another forwarded message from Brian. Last time you deleted a message like this, would you like to do that again? And you'd say, oh God, yes. And this would go on. But a few times later, it would say, you have several things here, but I already got rid of three forwards from Brian, saving you five minutes this morning. And you'd be like, wow, thanks, buddy. And this would go on. But then one day you'd realize that you hadn't seen a Brian message in a long time. And you'd say to your AI, dude, remember how much time I used to waste reading Brian messages? And it would be like, I know, right? Remember how much time you used to waste looking at things in general? And you'd be like, seriously, I love you, AI. And it would be like, I know. And you'd continue on with your day, glad that you lived in the future and not the old days of the busy aughts when everyone took pride in being so, so busy right now, but kind of dying inside because nobody feels good about being a drone and having to pretend they're not. Which is idiotic, because we're all doing drony bullshit all day long and pretending that we're not. Oh, I had a really hard day of thinking and being professional. Did you? I think you had a really hard three hours of thinking and being professional, and another six of being a button-tapping, invitation-accepting, email-archiving drone. Of course you're exhausted. It's like George Bernard Shaw said, all professions are conspiracies against the laity. 
If you were to Bill and Ted anyone from 100 years ago into your office today, and they were to watch what you do, and they were to eventually get past all the things that looked like magic, they'd probably get very, very sad and want to go back home where they were very, very cold and hungry and damp all the time, but at least doing real things, damn it. Hey, George Bernard Shaw. Turns out progress is a conspiracy against humanity. I know, this polemic is full of holes, but my point is this. This period in which we are living now is the age of inconvenient conveniences. All caps, people. The period we want to be living in is one we have to make, and it is the age of invisible interfaces, where AI is the crone. If we wait for AI to make the future, then the future will be known as the age of useless husk people, named by the robots, etched in whatever surface they haven't turned into fuel, forever. But if we use AI to make the age of invisible interfaces, then we'll quickly move through that age and then usher in the age of solving real problems and forgetting about computing for a change. Again, all caps. Look, I know how much we all like pretty shinies on screens. I'm the first person to see something pretty and get excited about it. I'm not over the visible. But I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure I will be over it when there's no water to drink or when I'm nuking my body chasing after multiple cancers, or when I can walk the plastic bridge from California to Hawaii to Japan. It's not that invisible interfaces are going to save the world. It's that they could keep us from continuing to waste our time. Or that yes, they could keep us from ever opening our eyes again. It's of course a matter of choice. And we've shown so far that we're pretty good at making the sorts of choices that keep us in drone land but we can make other choices. And I have every confidence that if we do, if we simply make better choices, we'll have the intelligence and the wherewithal to keep the world from exploding. Actually, this is where the smartwatch is kind of interesting. I mean, who are we kidding? It's not really that smart. It's just a small smartphone with a strap. But could it be the device that prepares us for more invisible interactions? Well, on the face of it, see what I did there? It looks like, no, the thing is just another screen. Enjoy the squinting. We think you're really going to love it. But what's really at play here? Voice interfaces are getting better and better. But Apple couldn't wait for Siri to be good enough to be the UI before they released their smartwatch because they knew that someone had to be first to the smartwatch party, even if that meant just shrinking the smartphone experience because the first smartwatch has the best chance of nudging us all towards wearables that will eventually be usable without tapping, swiping, and line of sight. The full futuristic her experience. But for now, we're going to have to tolerate the ugly, chiclet-bezeled, digital crown-studded wrist thing and its wacky app honeycomb and its quirky haptics and all the downward glancing it forces upon us and the responsive design panic of figuring out what on earth we're going to do with our website at a 272-pixel breakpoint. God, is that annoying. Honestly, we of the Creative Service cast should really take this opportunity to grow some courage and tell our clients that a 272-pixel breakpoint is not anything. Do you have to make your site functional on a watch screen? No, you don't. Really. But we're going to do it anyway. And the thing that's going to keep me sane is knowing that this is just another step towards forgetting about breakpoints someday and thinking about interaction design completely differently interaction to the fullest meaning of the word. But here's a sobering thought for design with a capital D. 
These developments are going to make design less and less of a visual discipline. It's unavoidable. It's not that all design will become invisible, but as our information demands continue to increase, we'll have no choice but to spend more and more time figuring out how to process it all, automating most of it, and using pattern-based algorithms to bring the stuff we individually deem worthy to the surface. But that's information logistics. Not pretty shinies, but texty mathies. And designers are not going to be pleased about this. And that's not new. Designers weren't pleased when the web came along either. Plenty of designers had immediate contempt for the web and considered it way beneath them to engage. Sure, they eventually started using it and loving it, but making it was obviously a tweaky, fiddly grunt job that, in their estimation, was more akin to plumbing than anything they'd have called design. The web just widened the blue-collar design cast that already existed thanks to photocopiers and print shop. And the designers that fancied themselves at the top of the food chain, well, they held fast to print and packaging and signage and good old-fashioned typography. And since I'm in this little space where I can be completely honest and say whatever I want, these are the people that are honored today as our high-design heroes. When they could have just as easily been scarlet-lettered L for Luddite or E for Elitist, And now, those who over the last few years have enjoyed the white collaring of web design are probably going to do the same thing with invisible interaction design and information logistics. <sighs> information logistics? Uh, yeah, we've got coders for that. Or Zapier or Mechanical Turk. Look, I don't think that, but lots of people do. And that, in part, is why designers are always playing catch-up to what is actually going on in the world and why version 1.0 always sucks. That is why designers right now are fussing with buttons and breakpoints and coders are making computers you can talk to. Too much of design is about where to put that button. Brace yourself. Locating buttons and crystal balling how much they'll be clicked is not a worthy design problem. Next time you're in a meeting about buttons, ask yourself what would have to happen in order for that button to go away. Actually, ask yourself what would have to happen for that meeting to never happen again. That is a worthy design problem. See, the problem with design is that when you say I'm a designer, you could mean that you draw buttons all day or you could mean that you speculate all day and leave the details to someone else. That's a really, really wide spectrum. In my opinion, anyone who calls themselves a designer should do both. Think big and get your hands dirty. Oh, and next time you see someone reference the Paul Rand quote that goes, It is important for you to use your hands. That is what distinguishes you from a cow or a computer operator. Remember that you are a computer operator, and those are the words of a person whose professional identity solidified when computer operation was a woman's job, design a man's, and whose otherwise myopic opinion on this matter only made it more likely that we'd become the computer operators that we are. Huh, it feels good, I'm not gonna lie. When we use computers today, we hardly get our hands dirty. Welcome to the now, where you and I and everyone after us will stay unless we snap ourselves out of this software-enabled dopamine addiction and think up and build something new. Well, friends, that's all for today. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Design Tomorrow. If you did, find the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give it a rating and a review. Now a quick bit of housekeeping. The next episode after this would normally come two weeks from now, but because I'll be on vacation and Independence Day is coming up after that, it's as good a time as any to quiet down a bit. So look for an episode on Monday, July 15th. As for today's episode, look, there's a place for ranting. We all have something to get out of our brains, off our chest, or into the light. We all know things to be true deep down at our very core that we pretend aren't every single day. Because our livelihoods depend upon the lie, on a shared, unspoken agreement to prop up something false because to tear it down would maybe take us with it. Just recently, I was talking to a friend who was reflecting upon having taken a job outside of the industry she'd become accustomed to. She said, One of the most delightful things about not working in a media organization is that I never have to pretend advertising is a sensible thing. (laughs) The phrase, I never have to pretend advertising is a sensible thing, is a spot-on indictment of an incredibly oversized swath of the working society. The number of people that do literally from nine to five and then some, who pretend that something is true that they absolutely know is a complete and total fiction, is staggering. And people wonder how we got to and still have Trump in the White House. See, that's where ranting must yield to action. Ranting is the almost instinctual vomiting of truth, suppressed for too long that the body can no longer contain it. But after that catharsis, you've got to pull yourself together clean up, sort things out, make lists, have a hard conversation or two, maintain eye contact, roll up your sleeves, and do something. And as I've said many times before, that something need not be big. Doing the somethings we are all obliged to do, our duty to one another as stewards of our shared reality, have nothing whatsoever to do with the next big thing. Any something you take on will surely be better off if you always consider it the next small thing. Doing many small things again and again is more realistic and sustainable and appropriate to the world and its people. Doing the next big thing is not. And remember, what we do today, those small things, will accumulate and become a better tomorrow. I'll see you then.